podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. This week's club brought to you football fan app, giving the fans a voice, even when you're sat at home doing nothing. Um, get your free download on the App Store and on the Google Play Store, and there's still lots of mad content going on there, including, I think they're doing virtual league matches and virtual FIFA matches and all that type of stuff, so it's definitely worth tuning into them um, and following them and downloading the app. Um, as we said tonight, we continue on our series of World Cup reviews, um, bringing lots of authority and uh, knowledge of previous World Cups to you, the masses, because you love it. Um, joining me tonight, normally I have our host, uh, Ray Dickinson. Say hello, Ray. All right, Phil. All right, everyone. Good man. Ray is guesting tonight because he uh, attended a match in France in 90, Euro 98. Um, and Euro 98? Ah, France 98. Whatever the fuck it's worth, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> saying. Nobody gives a shit about international football ads. We're trying to fill in time here. Come on, let's be honest about it, right? Uh, alongside Ray is a good friend and colleague there, uh, Keith, with his baldy, shiny head. Uh, next time you're on the camera, Keith, we're going to have to get some makeup for the top of your head as well as for the front of your head. Yeah, I know. I feel I only done a Kenny Miller and sort of done the face. I should have done the whole head. So, uh, lessons learned. Yeah, you look like John Harrison. And then beside him is a man who should have been at the 1998 World Cup. It is of course former order centre half Gary Blaine. It's good to <laughs> that's <have>. all right. <laughs> good to have you, Gary. Um, I'm hoping to get your insight on this. Uh, you were an up and coming young footballer before your big move to Barcelona, of course. At this point in time, um, right, lads. Tonight we're talking about France '98. Um, we've done Italian '90, which was probably the last of the old style World Cups where it made a difference, and it was the pinnacle of um, football. We moved on to USA '94, which is that transition. It's what Liverpool were for the best part of 27 years, a transition team. That was a transition World Cup, going from the old World Cup to the new World Cup. And we're on now to what could be described as the first of our modern World Cups, which is the ones that we're more used to, which is, of course, France 98, the whole setting, the expanded version, all the teams, all the television coverage. We're into a time where 24-7 sports channels were around. We were used to daily coverage of football on the television. We have a Champions League, which is fully bourgeoned into what it it is, which is the monster of all football at this stage. Um, And we still have a World Cup being held in Europe. So for the biggest and the, va- the the most vast sort of football audience, this World Cup is at times that they can all be present and sort of, there was no getting off work. There was none of that type of stuff. It was just pure at the times that we expected to see football matches at. So with that, Ray, um, you are representing probably uh, the only team here because the rest of us are all Irish. So we went there. 
But like you, you got the support team to woke up um, and England. Yeah. And what was the feeling there? Actually, before I do that, and I'll, co- I'll come back to you now in a second, right? When we start talking about real football, but also it's, it's a very important moment because this is the year the Apre match is born. So Keith, you 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 would have been just old enough now at this stage to to understand and fully appreciate Apre match when it appears because it appears out of nowhere in Irish television, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It, um, it left a lasting impression, you know. Um, when I when it first came out, it was it was only sort of a meant to be just one or two things, wasn't it? It was a little side bit and it was, it could have gone, with the Irish stuff, you know, it could have been successful, it could have been absolute shite, but uh, no, it was absolutely, it was, it was brilliant and um, some of the stuff they've done, some of the skits, if you look back at it now, still laying cracky up, you know what I mean? Outrageous, Gar. Yeah. Um, as, as, do you remember how you felt when you saw every match appear? Because uh, this was, okay, so, for anyone who's who's watching from England doesn't know what Apri Match is, go on to Google and look up Apri Match and they uh, will tell you. But <laughs> say it like a true Apri Match uh, person there, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to be fair, I like I I I was a fan of Apri Match from the early days, right? Because I remember it as being Frank's telly people um, <coughs> on what was the Night Owl, Night Owl on, on Network 2 and it was when Barry Morphy started doing Frank's Telly People and he was basically Frank Stapleton and he had a shoebox on his head and he over pronounced the T's because in the 1990 World Cup Frank Stapleton of course had done the ad for the permanent TSB yes, and please. he was very over pronouncing his T's when he talked on the television so that's where the, the birth of Frank Stapleton was anyway um, that was it but Gary you remember Apre match appears in 98 and you have Frank Frank Sable walk, wandering around Paris looking for the Louvre and the uh, Ueli Centre de Georges Pompidou they're unbelievable and for anyone who hasn't seen these guys live you, you, you need, I don't know if you've been to see them live but they're no. absolutely off the wall you'll be in a heap of laughter well as Phil says the, the, the stable thing the permanence and, and see, any Irish player who went away always had this stupid voice that, that went on. It was almost like McLaren's uh, Holland voice at times. Yeah. <laughs> but some of the stuff they came out was absolutely off the charts. And then, obviously, they went on to slag Dunphy and Giles in, in, in later years. But off the brilliant they were. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah. Honestly, if, uh, whoever's watching it, if you get a chance, go on to YouTube. Just type in that pretty much. And you've got about the best part of 20 years of various different football skits. Some of its after-all stuff, like and the early stuff, particularly in France '98, is just madness. It's pure madness, especially if you if you know anything about Irish sort of football um, players and, and references, you'll get it. But even without it, because Ireland weren't in there, it was a lot more English based and it's a lot more international based because the joke in here in it is ridiculous. And Terry Venables is is a joy to behold. Terry Ven- the Terry Venables impression alone is worth tuning in and, and tuning in for it. Right onto the competition. So right back to you. A proud Englishman that you are. You've got them, you've got them heading off to the World Cup. This is a golden generation like every England team going to a World Cup. But this one does have David Beckham and it does have that 17-year-old enigma, which is Michael Owen breaking into the team as well as we come up to the tournament. What were what was the thoughts? What was the feelings of the nation at that point when, when England were heading off to the World Cup? Particularly having missed out in 1994 and coming off the height in 1996. Yeah, obviously... Um... Euro 96, um, everyone was on a high. Um, obviously, change of manager in the interim. You had Terry Venables going and Glenn Hoddle coming in. Um, you know, and obviously getting to that semi-final in, in Euro 96 and, and 
you know, going out um, <clears throat> in unlucky fashion sort of thing against Germany. Um, you know, it, it, it was kind of a bit of a split as to people wanting Venables to stay on. And But anyway, look, Hoddle comes in and... Um, there was that. I, I think it was before the World Cup. There was the controversy, wasn't there? Um, Gascoigne gets left out the squad for yeah. starters, um, and there's the this whole link with uh, is it Eileen Drury? Is it the Drury, um, Taylor? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, there's a there's a bit of um, there's a bit of a news story there before before, and a bit of a distraction, really, a bit of a circus almost before the um, before before things get underway but yeah i mean the, the the group they got was was looked handy enough on paper um tunisia in the first game romania in the second game colombia in the third game and in, in you know in typical england style you're looking at the, the group that you, you faced off against for the next round like who are you gonna get um and the thing was you you wanted to win the group because you wanted to avoid um getting argentina um, which ultimately they they don't do, but um, yeah, going into the going into the tournament with you know, I mean, look, look looking back at that squad, um, it, it was just littered with with stars. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I mean, even you know, even as a Liverpool fan, you know, the likes of Beck, you know, you could only but admire the likes of Beckham and Scholes. Um, you know that they were, they were, you know, they were turned up in in the in the Premier League, um, and obviously we had our own Michael Owen coming through. You know, we we we'd already got glimpses of what what he was all about, and um, it was exciting to see that he was in the squad, but obviously had a formidable task to break in, really, because Shearer and Sheringham were a were a were a, a duo that were kind of almost set in stone at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Keith, heading into this tournament, obviously Scotland have qualified as well. So we've come off the back of the '94 World Cup, where the only um, team from the British Isles was the Republic that, that managed to get over there. This sees two um, of the traditional home nations as such qualify, which is the, the, the traditional two, i.e., being England and Scotland, because they've qualified for more World Cups than, than the rest of of of, of the countries. Um, so you know where where you you would have been about what. 18 at this point? 17. I was 17 when this World Cup happened. This was like the 94 World Cup for me. So this, and that's why 94 sticks in my head so much. It's like, it's it's your formative years when you're coming out of school by football, like in in terms as a football fan and you're sort of paying a lot more attention to what's on the television. But you've got the benefit that there's a lot more football on the television as well. So it's like, this is where the, the, the saturation begins. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's an excellent point because it was at this stage, you know, there, there was very few surprises. You know, you alluded to it earlier on. The Champions League was in full flow. We knew a lot of the players. We knew a lot of the, um, the, the South American players. You'd have a lot more information on them. Uh, I know for the like, for example, the likes of Paraguay made a bit of an exa- um, impression in this World Cup. And, uh, you know, you you knew about Shilver, for example, before the tournament. So you know, it was more accessible and it was more, um, you know, pre- prevalent. Maybe the 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 stars, um, certainly of the tournament. And yeah, it was my formative years. Now I remember, I won't forget this World Cup because I became a father shortly after the. 98 World Cup for the first time. I was only a whippersnapper myself. So, uh, 98. Controversial. 
There's a good year for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just shortly after the World Cup finished, um, but I did spend, I, I watched all the World Cup. It was at that age, and you're right, Phil, as you said, the last World Cup, and I know, Dicko, you were the same, you were at that sort of similar age, and um, you did, you just hoover up football. You know, it's, it's all you sort of consume at that age, and especially at this stage, being 17, 18, whatever, you're looking at it, and it is, you know, it's it's everywhere. There's no getting away from football. Ireland aren't in it, but it didn't sort of dampen the the coverage or the mood in Ireland for the World Cup. You know, it was just you just wanted to hoover it all up, and um, it was a great World Cup in that sense. You know, from watching we we spoke the last two where Ireland were there, Ireland weren't at this one, and it was just sitting back and looking. We've got two sort of superstars in this World Cup coming into it. Um, maybe not coming in, but you'd. Ronaldo coming of age, uh, and you had Zidane coming into his for coming into the fore as the the great French hope, and um, you know there was a lot of a lot around this World Cup with the expectation and you know what were we going to see from these these guys and Odemir, yeah, it was the great World Cup. Gar, as 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 an ex player and obviously as a coach now, like you know. What was your take on the World Cup? Like you, you your your age belies your. I was six. I was sixteen, <laughs> so uh, slightly younger, and it wasn't becoming a father. Thank God. <laughs> you had a really bad paper around. Though. Look at the hell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, from this one, lads, I think the the main thing from as far as uh, as as we carried on more World Cups was the attacking talent that was on show in this World mm-hmm. Cup. Keith's already spoken about. Ronaldo, you have you have slightly touched on own, but you'd you'd obviously Bergkamp, you'd you Christian Vieira, Vieira, you battering people for it, you're uh, battering centre halves, you'd batter Stute, you'd uh, Salas as well, you'd you'd Rivaldo, you'd Oliver Bierhoff was was a machine for Germany uh, as a goal scorer, Rivaldo, you'd Davor Sukor, he was he was so you know, so easy in the finishing at times. It was just so, so much attacking talent on, on this world. I think it was the one World Cup where we saw an array, I suppose, with the Holland not being that good either, I suppose. Uh, they, they were in the midst of their fighting as well, weren't they, that year as well? So, yeah, uh, but there was so, so much attacking, as you said, Shearer, Sheringham. It was, it, it was, it was a joy to watch as, as, as someone who likes attacking football. Yeah. Right, looking at this, so we let, let, let's kick off where we start. So the, you know, I'll come back at the end and sort of leave the controversy and the sort of bribery and everything that goes on around this because it's, it's the post thought as opposed to what we were aware of at that time. But let's we'll come back to that as, when we wrap up the review of this World Cup. But let, let's kick off with, with this. So we've got the the groups, the six groups, the seven groups, eight groups, eight groups. Oh, four teams. That's because it was 22 teams because it was yeah. six before. Yeah, we 24. Yeah. See, there's yeah. the maths. It's all up there. Definitely drink hasn't affected me, right? But going into it, the draws are pretty much... Um, the groups look like they play out the way we thought they would in terms of the, the teams that are in there. So if you look at Group A, you've got Brazil, Norway, Morocco, Scotland. Going into it, you'll probably say it's Brazil plus one of Norway or Scotland. Then you had Group B was Italy, Chile, Austria, and Cameroon. There, you're probably thinking Cameroon, given the last World Cup and the emergence of the African teams, etc. Roger Miller was back for this World Cup as well, 38-year-old. Um, then in Group C, you had France, Denmark, South Africa, Saudi Arabia. Again, you would have thought France and Denmark is coming out of this prior to the tournament starting. 
you get on to Group D, you've got Nigeria, Paraguay, Spain, and Bulgaria. Probably Here's thinking, surprise. <laughs> I know, but you're probably thinking after Euro 96 and World Cup 94, Spain and Bulgaria are the two teams likely to come out with that. With, with maybe yeah. Niger- Nigeria being the dark horses in that group. But that is a real group of death in terms of what it, what, what it was. Mm. Um, group B, then you have Holland, Mexico, Belgium, and South Korea. That is another group of death because given the, the history of Holland, Mexico and Belgium over the last three to four World Cups as well, you're saying it's one of those, it's probably two of those three. South Korea, great lads and all, turn up, great show for the World Cup, but they're not going to be getting out of that group on, on any week of Sundays. Um, and then you've got Group F, which has Germany, Yugoslavia, around the US. Obviously, Germany got on to uh, Jacques Chirac before the World Cup started and said, look, We'll literally lash on the interest rates if you don't put us in a nice group. They've they, they then rang Alex Ferguson and figured out how to handle the hot balls to get that sorted out. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, then we move on to Group G, and that's England's group. We have Romania, England, Colombia, and Tunisia, which, on the face of it, again, that's slightly harder than most England groups, but you're thinking to yourself, England's coming out easy with either Romania or Colombia making up the second place in Tunisia in, in bottom spot. And then the last group is Argentina, Croatia, Jamaica and Japan. And like you're saying, Argentina. And arguably you're thinking probably um, Croatia in this one, mainly because most of the Yugoslavia team from the previous World Cup is, or the previous Euros, and I think it's Euro 92 under Mustel, or Italia 90, they would have made up the, the body of the Croatian side. And um, Croatia would have been Croatia's first World Cup as well, in terms of what it was. So, lads, heading into, I remember looking at this, thinking to myself, can I remember how excited I was for the kickoff of the World Cup? Because Brazil versus Scotland is the is the opening match of this World yeah. Cup. Yeah, <laughs> and I actually went, Phil. Yeah, I that's where I'm getting on to. Right, that's where I'm getting on to because if there's one person in this group that has something relevant to say around around this pod, it's definitely you at this because you end up at the at, at the opening game for this. Um, my own thoughts, thinking back to it, was I remember the hype going into this, and there was a feeling. Because obviously, watching the English broadcast and stuff, that Scotland could potentially do something in this match um, and maybe get a draw and get a good start to the group. Um, but this Brazil team was literally a team that people feared. This is Ronaldo and Rivaldo at the absolute peak of their powers. It has, this is a far more attacking Brazilian team than the 94 one was, and, and they're going in as holders as well. So, right. How the fuck did you end up at the opening game of World Cup 98 at Brazil versus Scotland? Are you going to reveal a tartan now, skirt or whatever? You're going to <laughs> oh, no, it was just, it was a, it was the fact, it was my first, I was 22 at the time and it was, um, <clears throat> it was my first job and I'd been in sales for a year and it was my first sales incentive and it was to go to the opening game of the World Cup. Um <laughs> Which which was a handy little uh, was a handy little number to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I say so, yeah. <laughs> and and obviously Brazil Brazil Scotland wasn't a, wasn't a bad one really. Um, the the only catch was I was living in London at the time. The only catch was it was a day trip, so um, it was uh, up at the crack of dawn. Uh, it was the Eurostar, which back then uh, wouldn't have been going that long, so it was still a, a bit of a novelty. Um, Eurostar to um, to Paris, and then um, the the metro out to the stadium, and uh, went to a fan park. Uh, actually, it was it was a corporate gig, so so went to had a bit of a slap up meal, um, which nice. uh, and Andy Gray was the guest speaker. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, then on the coach. Um, uh, into a fan park, 
and then into the game and watching the opening ceremony. And I, I seem to remember being quite underwhelmed by the um, opening ceremony. I don't think it was all that. It was all. It was up to that much, to be honest with you. If you, if you, we were talking last week about um, Diana Ross, and you know what I mean. There was no Diana, certainly no Diana Ross moments uh, or anything. Well, have, have have you ever watched France in the Eurovision? Absolute drivel. Absolutely. Yeah, like, they don't do music. Like, name a name a famous famous singer. No, no, no. no They're too busy smoking, making wine and cheese and um, philosophy. To worry about singing. That's they, the best. I thought they play at least Joel a taxi and wheel out Vanessa Paradis or something like that. <laughs> wow. I, mean, I think Vanessa Paradis was in the opening ceremony. Sasha Vistel. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember going thinking that Scotland would, you know, there was talk that Scotland did have some kind of chance on the basis of. You know, you see in World Cups, the first games can be very cagey. And if you're going to get anything from a big team, I think the first game is always the game to, to potentially do it in. You know, keep keep um, catch a team like Brazil um, or in Italy or whoever it is in that first game cold. Um, and to be fair, Scotland could have got something out the game. Um, yeah. I mean, Brazil scored early. Um, and then you thought, okay, maybe the floodgates will open, and Brazil did have chances. But then, obviously, um, I think it's second half, um, and Scotland get a penalty um, and equalise. And, and to be fair, like I was celebrating like a Scotland fan, you know, I, I did, you know, I, I, as I think we said last week, I support any of, any of those um, nations that are in the World Cup. Um, but ultimately, you know, Brazil. You know, their pressure told. Uh, I think it's an OG, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's an OG that wins the game. Um, Brazil. Um, and once they scored, you just knew, like, it was just, there was no there was no way that Scotland were going to were gonna claw that back. Yeah. To be fair, Owen Book yes. just said Scotland had Gordon Jordi up front. So, like, and Brazil <laughs> had Ronaldo. So. Uh, and they had Jim Layton, 40-year-old Jim Layton in goal. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I I, I, I I had to take a, do a second take. Like, I, was I actually at a game where Jim Layton was in was in goals? Like, I, I thought he was a player from a bygone era before I started going to football matches. But um, so yeah, look, I mean, Brazil. Uh, you know, ultimately they they do go on to the final. I I thought they were decent on the day, but they were they certainly weren't. Um, they weren't sort of. Uh, they didn't look like world beaters at that point. Yeah, that's that's. I don't know, Keith. That stood out in my mind from the opening games. I, and like after that, nothing really stands out in my mind because I was drunk for most of the rest of the World Cup. So it's like, <laughs> so, <laughs> hence why I'm hosting as opposed to talking about it. Um, I'd actually finished my finals in university. Actually, come to think of it, I'm only remembering now. I was in London. Like, we mustn't be too far from each other. I was in London that summer. Um, okay, yeah. Then I also ended up out on a farm in Kent picking strawberries at one stage that summer as well, right? So it was because um, I just done my finals and I'd gone off to 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 see the Golden Pats in London and uh, kept walking and ended up in a field in Stroud in Kent instead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair walk. And going to a local pub in Stroud and um, watching the World Cup there. And the lads hadn't had a day off for four weeks and we managed to turn up. It's like that famous joke where you, the lads turn up in hell and uh, they're standing there having drinks and stuff like that. And 
Because the man says, well, it's been 500,000 years, right back in their heads, and they all put their heads into the shit. So, but like, we ended up in the, in the pub for the weekend, so it was great. Um, anyway, back to what I was saying. Yeah, the thing about this game that always jumped out of my mind was, I always thought that Scotland deserved to get something out of that game. Yeah. So that that was my point, Keith. Go on. Well, no, it is a good point, though. Looking at the team, and with the exception of 63-year-old Jim Layton, it wasn't a bad Scottish team. And back then, you know, Rangers, more so than Celtic, actually, were they were a big big team, you know what I mean? And the, I know the Rangers had a lot of, more of a Dutch influence in their squad than what Celtic had. But going through the Scottish team... Uh, Tom Boyd, Colin Calderwood, Colin Hendry, Christian Daly, like they did a decent defence. They had Paul Lambert and John Collins. Now I don't know where they were at that stage of their career, but like Lambert had won the uh, Champions League with Dortmund. That's right. Collins That's was right, playing yeah. Monaco. You know what I mean? So the continental experience, two very good midfield players actually. The Borley in there as well, and then right Gordon Jory's up front, Kevin Gallagher and Darren Jackson. That front line's a bit scaldy, but. They were a decent team. It was it was a tough team, you know that way. Like it wasn't a, a team you are going to really um, slaughter. And I suppose Brazil, Brazil also had a reputation yeah, of being slow starters. <laughs> had a reputation for being slow starters as well at the World Cups. And um, yeah, they they didn't. Maybe it's the pressure. You know, the first game. Just get that out of the way. I mean, we spoke about your um, USA ninety four. Italy were playing pony and that until the knockouts. Brazil started off, even though the expectation, because we'd come off the torn wall and all for this, hadn't we? And Roberto Carlos scored that blade and bendy free kick. Yes. So yeah. there was so much hype around them um, going into this. And maybe it was just one of them just didn't live up to it. You know, if they had had one of the other teams in the group, maybe forced Morocco or Norway, might have been different. But Scotland were a tough team. You know, you can look back at it, it's, it's hindsight, you know what I mean? Now they're shy, but you look back at them, they weren't a bad team, Scotland. And it was a tough game when you look at it. Mm. Now that we've got the first game out, we've only got 174,000 <laughs> games to go. Um, so if you're ready to listen to us until Friday, be, thanks. Uh, are, we skipping, are we skipping Morocco and Norway? Just We're not going to talk about that, are we not? No, I was going to ask Gary what was thoughts that were on the Morocco, the 2-2 two, two draw between Morocco and Norway. The goals for Norway, right, was Yusef uh, Chippo got an OG and Dan Egan scored for Norway as well. And the headline was Egan Chippo that got the goals, you know, so Egan Chippo. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget that, Egan Chippo. Egan Chippo. Right, I'm going to go, look, um, across the sort of group stage, it's it's much of a muchness. And I think we all know, as I said, this is the, this is the first real modern World Cup where you know yourself, you win two games, you're through to the next phase, right? Yeah. If you win one, win one and draw two, you're through to the next phase as well. So six or five, five anything more, five points plus is more or less going to get you into the next stage. And looking across the groups, it plays out as we mainly expect with the exception of a few. Now, the first one I get, to, Italy are traditionally slow starters and there's no difference here because they draw two all with Chile. But that Chile game was mad. And I was looking at the Chile squad and I was there going, oh, that must have been Sanchez, but it wasn't because Sanchez doesn't arrive until the 2006 World Cup, right? This is the Marcelo Salas's breakout one. Ivan Zamorano, Salas, yeah. he's a good squad. Zamorano is the captain. And he's, 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 was he Inter Milan at that stage? Was he at Inter Milan at that stage? Inter, wasn't he? Yeah. Or, or Real Madrid. No, he would have been at Inter. Because wasn't yeah, he at yeah. Inter when Ronaldo rocked up and he was number nine? Yeah. And he, he had to change to one plus eight. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you've got you've got Samarano, you've got the you've got all the lads. But this is Vieri's World Cup. For from an Italian perspective, this is where 
the the bus that is Christian Vieri just oh, plows no. through most teams. Um, go on. Who wants to wax lyrical about the? the I'm I'm gonna go through group by group as opposed to match by match, right? So like to be honest with you, Group A, there's fuck all already happens in it outside of Brazil wins loads of games and then lose to Norway in their last match when it's mathematical at that stage. They can't be caught. They play a load of lads that that they just found knocking around playing um, street ball on the beaches before the match itself. Um, and Ronaldo was on fire at this stage, and he's, he's just proven everyone right as the best strike in the world. And Rivaldo, has, even with his bendy legs, is just doing mad things where he's <laughs> setting them up all the time. Rivaldo's bendy legs, to me, to this day, are still a mystery. Like he looks like a fella who's been riding around the Pappas for the, yeah. for four hours a day, at least, if not four years a day. Um, but anyway, Group B. So that Italy so I feel it was just full of so much talent when you look back, and it wasn't it? You, you, you've you know, you wonder how they didn't win the World Cup that year. Mm. We get a back for Cannavaro, Costa Corte, Maldini was in, in that side, uh, Albertini playing centre, Nesta. Nesta. It, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. He's still uh, got the talent in that side. As well. Yeah. Vieri was, you know, that type of he, he was skillful. He was he was he was a he was a, he was a t- tank up front. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had got a lot of pace, but he, he could certainly get boy players. Yeah. yeah. And Di Matteo was at Chelsea. He was the only non-Italian. Yeah, I yeah, was on the bench. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Del Piero, Del Piero on the bench. Yeah, it was, it was some team, and I was like, you're looking at they were the finalists in '94, so they were highly rated going into this. Um, and but this group is tricky enough. Yeah, look, it's not it's not a walk in the park for them. No, it there's no easy teams in it. I mean, Roy Cameron. That that it's not the best uh, Cameroon team we've seen at the World Cup at this stage. League of Ireland, can I cut across? Come League on. of Ireland legend plays in this uh, World Cup for Cameroon. Joseph Endo. Joseph Endo. <laughs> played for Cameroon this World yeah. Cup. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Shells, Waterford, and Bowes, and many yeah. other teams in the League of Ireland. So, that's any League of Ireland lads, and they'll tell you he's an absolute genius. Great thing hey, in the world getting a shout out on this one. Go on. You love <laughs> to see. He's still down as playing only four years ago, actually. Mm. He only retired four years ago. Roger Miller. <laughs> Must be in the jeans. <laughs> but in, in this group, then, we also had uh, the great Liverpool Rigobert Song. Rigobert Song, yeah. For the second World Cup in a row. The players look to the captain. The captain looks to the manager. And the manager looks to you. It's time to be heard. Pitch is the new app that gives football fans the voice you deserve. Get your views sent straight to media pundits, commentators on the club you love. From dodgy penalties to rating match performance, make your opinion count. The manager's looking to sub him off, and the fans agree. Download the Pitch app for free today. Be heard. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. That's right. And but this is the emergence of Samuel Eto. Yeah. This he's a 17-year-old for Laganas in, in this World Cup. Like people have no idea what this fella's going to go on to achieve later in his career. But like this is 
this is this is where Samuel Eto'o, the star of Samuel Eto'o, was born. And it's like it's, I always love looking at looking back at these World Cups. It's like Michael Owen and Samuel Eto'o, and you're looking at two career trajectories that are almost identical in terms of ages and where they go to from here, right? Yeah. Um, and if if you're looking at both of them at this stage. You're saying who's going to end up winning the most European Cups, the most everything, and playing the best side in the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're going to say Michael Allen. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at Etty, you're saying this fella could have a good career. Who knows where he could go to? He'd probably end up in a, in a relatively decent Italian side or something like that. So, a bit mad, but there we go. Um, but you're saying that Keith, that that Cameroon side has Etty, has Lauren, who'll end up at Arsenal as well. It has. Um, I'm trying to think. There's Rigobert song. There's also there's I can't remember. Desiree Job. There's did, a, did they have Songo the goalkeeper? Did they have Songo the goalkeeper? Who's Jack Songo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at Deportivo de la Coruña in, the, in their heyday as well. Francois Mbiak, uh, he played in the ninety World Cup, so he's hung on at this stage. Solomon Alembe, a few yeah. names that you'd recognise, but. But the names, of the, young, the names of the young players in this, because Alembe is 17, Etu is 17, Lauren is 21, um, Rigobert Song is only 21 in this World Cup as well, um, and uh, except for Sango, who's, who's 34, and I think he played in the previous World Cups as well. So it's, it's, like they're, they're, it's a very young squad. You know, yeah. That's the one thing you're looking at saying, because this team is going to be do, do the business in, in a couple of years' time, essentially, that's what you're looking at. And this is why Cameroon are always hotly tipped as being the next, as the, as the up-and-coming African team. Anyway, back to this group, lads, because we could be here waxing lyric about squads all night. But look, yeah. back to this group, you've got Chile, you've got Italy, You've got Cameroon and you've got some other team to make up the numbers, Austria. And like, and I mean that in the in the worst possible way. The, the thing about, I remember Austria because we used to play them all the time in, in our friendlies. Tony Polster, that was it. Like after that, you may have yeah. thrown, everything else just got thrown out the window. Who cared about, like, nothing. And even with looking at their, their squad, you was looking at Tony Polster. Their main man, I think, was Avika Vastic at this stage. Could well have been. No idea, no idea who he was. The thing is, Herzog was quite big. It wasn't he at the time? Yeah. Herzog. Herzog, yeah. Herzog was big, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was about 15 stone. He was only 5 foot 3. <laughs> <Six> for <me>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Tony Poster, so we won't talk about us shit. Anyway, lads, this group, Italy. This is outside of the Chile match where it's a, it's a fascinating two-all draw. There's Salas, there's Amarano, there's all that sort of toy thing that's going on. Just plays out the way you expect it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but also, just like the last World Cup, um, Roberto Di Baggio gets a couple of late goals. Mm. I don't know what it is about him and late goals, but um, he just seems to carry it on through. They actually only win that last game. When I first saw this product, uh, I thought that last crazy. group game with didn't a, really with understand a what the benefit- last minute Roberto Di Baggio goal. Sorry. I guess that's true, yeah. The Devoyne Pony's head, right? It's, it's the magic that was in the Pony's head. <laughs> Beautiful. It's a beautiful team, but like there's there's really not much stock on that group outside of Christian Vieri being a, a train. Yeah. And just looking at five goals or something, really banging them in. Yeah, such a such a when you look back at Vieri now, people don't don't talk about him enough, but he was just phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it was just it was beautiful. Beautiful. But just on England, just on England's group, Phil, um, before you skip on past the groups. I mean, um, that that second game against Romania, um, 
<clears throat> I remember like that was a complete shock. No one's seen that coming at all. Um, they'd won the first game fairly comfortably. And then, um, you know, it was all sort of systems go. And obviously the last, the last gasp, I'll never forget that last gasp, um, Dan Petrescu yeah. um, running in on, on Graham. Yeah. So I think they're both playing for Chelsea at the time. Yeah. Um, left back versus right back, and um, I don't know what the what you know what he was doing up there in the ninety second minute or whatever it was um, to win that game, and it was just complete and utter shock. But uh, wing back wasn't he? Petrescu was. Petrescu was, yeah. They played three at the back at the time, didn't they? Back, yeah, until yeah. wide fullbacks pushed up. This is what there's four things I want to cover off in the group stage. I want to I want to cover off the England game, the group properly, right? But I want to just like. Because there's so much again, it's a World Cup tournament. There's so many matches going on. I think the one things that I mentioned mentioned before, and we, we'll do a bit of a deep deeper dive into the English group, but that Spain group and the elimination of Spain is insane because you have Nigeria emerge as a mad team. And I remember watching Paraguay, and I remember thinking to myself, the Jose Luis Chilavert was the greatest <laughs> footballer to have ever walked the earth because the montages they used to have for him taking free kicks and penalties he was, was just brilliant. And he wasn't he wasn't a Higita. He was just he was rootless, but he was also the skipper. He was also about two stone overweight as well. Right. Yeah. And the biggest thing was, and it annoyed me because my feet were too big, right? And I don't have big feet. Was when I found out the fella had a size four and a half foot. <laughs> <laughs> people don't realise this, this honest to God, people don't realise about Shilavert. And Shilavert puts this down to why his free kick and his, his, his dead ball technique was so good, was that he had small feet for a six foot three. Imagine being six foot three and having a size four and a half foot. Like that's just it's all sorts of wrong. Well, had you said the same, he was only small, but he had tiny feet as well, and he put his sort of passing and dead ball ability down to the fact that he had small feet as well. Yeah, because you're able to you're able to manipulate the yeah. Shilavert was convinced he was able to manipulate the ball more. Because yeah. you could get more traction across the ball as he's looking. Well, as you say, if you're his size, you're getting power behind it as well. So you're yeah. leading. It's a, something you won't come across very much. Zola was the same, Keith, didn't he? He, yeah. he wore his boots two sizes too small. small. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Get, get more directory and more, more core on the ball. Yeah. So essentially, Shilavere was the devil because he didn't have feet, he had hooves. <laughs> <laughs> if you're six foot four and you've got a size four and a half foot, they, there's no toes or nothing there. Like there's literally, they're just stumps, right? So <laughs> Stumpy was in goal and he was a legend. But like th- this group is mad because Spain get eliminated. And the yeah. Zubers were at the play in this World Cup. He did. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. That's why you're putting it out there. Because you wrote him off in the last World Cup. I did, yeah. This is like if Shilton had gone on to the 94 World Cup. Like, that's <laughs> what we're talking about here. But I'll never forget Spain getting eliminated because they'd been brilliant in Euro 96. And they just narrowly go out on penalties to England. And England, England. Yeah. 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 And I think we all fancied them to do it. I can't... Um, like, I, I just remember this, this to me was probably... I agree the biggest shock of the 1998 World Cup was the elimination of Spain in the group stages. You're taking one of the pre-tournament favourites and a genuine pre-tournament favourite and they're not getting anywhere even close to getting out of the group. But I think the real shock that game, was it Nigeria beat them 3-2 yeah. in, 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 in what was a crunch game for them because they put them under pressure then for the rest of the, the, mm. the Cup in terms of the, the results. Was that was their opening match as well. It was. Yeah. Um, and then the next game then was Paraguay and then they finished up with Bulgaria. And if I'm right, Spain essentially out of Russia, the 1994 version of Russia, where they 
absolutely annihilate uh, Bulgaria in the last game. The yeah. last game, yeah. And, and don't manage to go through. You can't legislate for that. This is the thing, isn't it? This is a dangerous thing in, in World mm. Cups. You've got, you can't afford to lose that first game because ultimately, you know, Nigeria... Um, Nigeria are qualified, aren't they? They're qualified going yeah. into the last game. Um, and the reliance on Nigeria getting something off Paraguay, you know, uh, and ultimately, you know, the, the, the destiny wasn't in their own hands and they and they go crashing out. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've got to, you've got to win your first game in these World Cups, otherwise you're under serious, serious pressure. Yeah. You look, you look at them two teams, man for man, now uh, as, as we do now, and you, you probably would have said, yeah, you probably would have said, fancy Nigeria for this now. Look, well, man for man, Phil, it's it's a much better. T- it's it, it, technically it's a much better side. I know, but you look at the Nigerian team, then, and even at that stage, they were so dispersed in terms of who they were. Right, you had this is. Amakachi's World Cup. This is Sunday Elise's World Cup. Yeah. This is Kanu's World Cup. Akache just come in. Has Akache, yeah. You've got Treba West. You've got Finini George. George. Yeah. You've got all these lads who become well-known names off the yeah. back of this World Cup. But going Kanu? Into it. Kanu. Kanu, yeah, exactly. Babi you've got Babi Yarrow. You've got Rashidi Yakini. You know, he's, 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 he's robbed Roger Miller's boots now at this stage. Um, and you look at it and you just say to yourself, this is insane. But then you look at the Spanish team and you think to the 90, Euro 96 and how close they were to eliminating England in Euro 96. And this is a team that has Hierro, who has Morientes, who has Raul, who has Sergi, there's Alfonso, Albert, Alfonso there. Albert Ferrer, Luis Enrique. I couldn't get over that Luis Enrique is 28, by the way, in this World yeah. Cup. They've got Nadal as well. Yeah, yeah. monster, right? You've got Molina as subkeeper. You've got Canizares, who's also a backup keeper, and then you've got Zubi Zaretta as the captain. And I know you said, I know I put it on on Zubi Zaretta, but when you've Canizares <laughs> as the backup to Zubi Zaretta, you've got one fella who can die to make war car slaves all over the shop, and you've got Zubi Zaretta who's been binned off by Barcelona at this stage because he's been making too many mistakes and is still the captain of Spain. Right? There was. When, when I remember he makes two big errors in that Nigeria game. Scores so. now G in that game, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And it's like can remember hit the bar hits the bar yeah. and hits his head and goes hits in. His head. Yeah, it's like you literally couldn't have replaced Peter Shilton with a Peter with the Spanish Peter Shilton more had you tried because he couldn't die or anything. Like he was literally his legs were decrepit at this stage. There was there was lads going out and trying to find wooden planks for him to put his legs back together and everything. It was it was, it was shocking. But that to me was the standout. Like that was the shock of the round. Everything else sort of flows how you expect, or you can legislate for what you think is going to happen. But Paraguay going through, and Paraguay, well, Paraguay beat Nigeria three one in the last game, and again Nigeria have six points at this stage. This goes back to my point that if you get two wins, if your first two games are, are two wins, you literally have um, you're sorted. You're through. It's 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 the it's it's. Who can get the five points next? And, and that's the way it's been since that World Cup. But, Ray, let's move on. We, we'll, I'll talk about, we, we can cover off Holland because of the form they had but and where Germany ends up in terms of the bribes and stuff they got to get the group that they did. And what, <laughs> what Argentina looked like coming out of this. But I want to talk about the English group because, as I said, on paper, you've got Tunisia, you've got Colombia, and you've got Romania. Yeah. Most of the English press thought 
this is this is a piece of piss. We've got like we're walking out of this group outside. If we can get past the Colombia game and not get beaten, we're walking out of this group. We're probably going to have easily six to nine points in this group, if not seven. Seven to nine points, I think, was their expectations given the teams that are in it. Um, but the one thing that always stands out for me in this is the violence that then kicks that kicks that follows the English group games around the place. When it starts the first game against Tunisia in Marseille, and I just remember the absolute killings that went on in Marseille and it was, mm. and it was there. Like what was your what was your take on it? honestly being at home and stuff like that and watching the games, what was your take on what was going on? <clears throat> I mean you asked me at the start about going, you know, uh, before we come on about why am I going to um Scotland games and not England games. I mean, I wouldn't have any interest really. I went to a couple of friendlies at Wembley where they were, you know, they were mundane affairs. They were never going to be anything other than that. But when there's not when there's an opportunity for England fans to travel, particularly in that period, it's not a place that you wanted to go anywhere near. Um, to be honest with you, um, and at this stage, I will have gone. I will have gone to you know European games um, to see Liverpool and stuff so it wasn't about travelling at that point it was just it was just a no, it was just a, a non-starter for me mm. um, I mean the one thing that I noticed uh, in particular about these um, about these stadiums um, and, and the stadiums where England end up as well I mean the capacity of, of, of sort of like sub 40,000 yeah you know, so um, you know you've got a lot of you've got a lot of ticketless England fans going over. Um, you've probably got a lot of ticketless fans, full stop. But yeah. um, there's there's you know there's there's nothing worse than a combination of t- ticketless fans who just go over. Uh, particularly England fans get on the lash all day and all day the day before and just cause cause carnage. And um, back then it was um, it just went hand in hand. You, you just expect to put on the the, the, new, the news of a night and that's that was all over it you know what I mean and it really did it it, 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 it just it just pissed you off really to watch it because um, mm. you knew what was coming but to be fair you know on the pitch in the stadiums you know you didn't really see any evidence of that it was absolutely the fans going over there with one reason and one reason only um, and, and going back to that Last game where they've got to um, where they've got to beat Colombia um, to kind of do or die um, scenario, um, and to be honest, like they were, they, you know, England were fairly comfortable in that game. They didn't really have too much um, to worry about. Um, it's cracking goal by um, Darren Anderton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would actually get to the start in that game, so he's obviously come on, um, scored. Um, scored against Romania. Um, I think he nearly scored a second as well. He hit the, he hit the post just after um, yeah. after after Romania score. Uh, so it could have easily been two two. Uh, but um, yeah, and then you've got um, a Beckham uh, free kick, kind of classic Beckham free kick, really. Although if you look at that replay, you'll see that the Columbia wall completely disintegrates. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it was a bit soft. That was know, this right? Was this the, the in, this was was this the World Cup that? No, this wasn't the World Cup that Beckham qualified with the no with the free kick. That no, was the next one, wasn't it? Was it? Next, yeah. it was the next World Cup or the yeah. next Euros one where where he scores the 
the goal against Greece, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Kev, Kev is on the money here. He says, what made it worse was we'd gone from the threat of violence in the 90s where you didn't have 24-7 rolling news channels to news channels fit, want to fill air and basically having the cameras in yeah, you have the cameras at the fan parks in Marseille and stuff like that. But yeah. I just remember, remember the carnage in Marseille. I will never forget the carnage. I remember looking Marseille at Marseille was wrecked. This was insane. And like there was, they were like, there, you were there going, lads, you know this is going to happen. What are you doing by letting yeah. this go on there? It just seems madness in terms of what it was. But to be fair, I remember the, um, the, the Columbia game. And of course, a couple of years back, we had Higita doing the Scorpion and all that type of stuff in Wembley, and this was yeah. the build up. And it was the expectation was that England were going to just batter them, and and they would roll over. And to be fair, once once they get over the the, the scare of Romania, which they shouldn't have had, like let's be honest about it, like, it's it's Graham old moment of madness yeah. that puts them in the precarious position that they are. Yeah, they show a, a deep level of maturity in managing the Colombian match and getting out of that group very safely. And I have to say, it was one of the few times I've been worried about an English team heading into the knockout phases of a second round because I thought Hoddle was managing that team incredibly well and I thought that squad was incredibly strong. And when, even now, when I was looking through the squads earlier today as, as prepping for this, I was there going, sweet Jesus, that England squad was immense. Yeah. Like You're looking at it and you're there going, where is the weak link? Because there is none. You know, there, there's, you're, you're looking across the team and you're going, how many teams had a strong 22s? And I'm not even talking about the 1 to 11s. Like, how many teams had a strong 22s going into a World Cup <clears throat> with a manager that was very capable at adapting to continental football styles and, like, not afraid to change the three at the back or four or whatever it was? New look for you. <laughs> that, was, that was the first one that England transitioned to a three at the back. And if I'm right in thinking, Gary never played Bobby, as a, Second as, time. Second time, Bobby Robson did that in the 1990 World Cup. Oh, but Gary never played the right of that tree for a while, if, if, yeah. if I'm right in thinking. Yeah. yeah. Anderton as a wing-back, and Lassau yeah. was, was, was the other wing-back. Yeah. And it was yeah. more of the classic 3-5-2. Like, in the 90 World Cup, it was all sweepers, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was a different, maybe, back three type of uh, setup. But that was your classic. I mean, I suppose it's not long after... Sort of Roy Evans was doing this at Liverpool, so it was a sort of a an involved yeah. sort of a, a formation, wasn't it at the time? And you're right, you look at that squad, and it was maybe not the most creative. I mean, it sounds a bit weird to say that when you beck him in there, you had Anderton at left back, but you had Ince in midfield and David Batty. Uh, Rob Lee comes on in this Columbia game. Um, but the, the, the team a solid team of men. Combative, combative midfield, Com- wasn't it? Exactly, com- combative team. And then you had Michael Owen, and then you had David Beckham, and then you had Paul Scholes to add into that, you know, and it was a lovely mix, lovely blend. But you also have and skill. But you also have England's best goalkeeper of all time. Right? Where where we're talking about Spain and the other hand where Zubi Zaretta was was their captain. You have David Seaman, who I know he makes the mistake in 2002. Well, not makes a mistake. He just gets blamed over by a Ronaldinho shot from 100 yeah. yards out, right? And it's just, it's ridiculous. But only Ronaldinho is going to do that to you, right? Yeah. Unless your name is Naeem in a Cup Winners' Cup final. <laughs> 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 but honestly, like, I looked at that. I, I keep looking at that squad. And the one thing that stands out to me, and the, the biggest thing that stands out to me in this is, again, 
What Venables did so well in Euro 96 and why they were so unlucky to not win it was he knew how to utilise Steve McManaman. And to this day, I'd say, outside of Roy Evans, Terry Venables in England, nobody else knew how to utilise Steve McManaman. And Mm -hmm. Steve McManaman, had he been given a significant role on this side, would have been the difference maker. Like, if you look at all the other sides, you have these wondrous players. You have Bergkamp, you have Rivaldo, you have um, uh, uh, have Ortega for uh, Argentina, you have... uh, Hadji, you've got a Kotcha for uh, Dem- yeah. not Denmark, not Denmark. <laughs> 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 you've got transfer. You've got Zidane for France, and we haven't really talked about France, but we get onto it in the knockout phases because there's no real point in talking about the the the, the group stages realistics. But McManaman is that magical, magical English player, and he doesn't get the time that he should have deserved. And nobody, they didn't craft a team around his enigma style and this is when he's at his height of his powers for Liverpool as well he's about to go to Real Madrid and there's a bidding war between Real Madrid and Barcelona for this player and the English to this day it's like the John Barnes thing it's McManaman it's even now it comes through in Sterling as well they don't know how to utilise so often they don't know how to utilise a player that doesn't fit simply into a square peg and says I am a right winger I am a left winger I am a centre forward I am a centre midfielder and this guy is a genius and ultimately for me I think that's where the English bid falls down because Hoddle could never fix the could never sort of square that circle again am I right right? Yeah, but but at the same time, when you look at the other players around and the system that he's put in place, you can kind of see why he went with what he went. You know, um, you know, most of those players have won a league uh, title at that point or go on to yeah. win a league title. Um, you know, you've even got David Batty coming off the bench. You know, I mean, he, you know, players like Rob Lee as well. He was like he, he was a rising star at that. <laughs> particular moments in time so you know I can I can understand you know why you'd want to try and get McManaman in, into the side but I've, I've mentioned it before there's just there's this kind of real checkered history of Liverpool players in England you know what I mean sometimes it doesn't really matter what what Liverpool players are doing at club level they seem to get slightly overlooked for, for, for United players or for Arsenal players or, you know, for but, Tottenham players. But, Ray, he's not getting overlooked for an Arsenal. He's getting overlooked for Darren fucking Anderson. Yeah. Well. Darren Anderson. It's like overlooking... A Tottenham player, I presume, at that point. Yeah, yeah. 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 be like playing for, I don't know, what's your man, Kyle Walker over Trent Alexander-Arnold. Do you know what I mean? Like, And that's, even, and that's being nice to Darren Anderson. Like, Anderson was... Uh, a one-trick pony. Like he had a he had a bag of trick, and it was just he was literally going to just do a, a, a kick past him. He's Stuart Downing. That's what he is. He's, he's an injured yeah, yeah, Stuart Downing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and that's who was getting in ahead of Steve McManaman. And to this day, I just I keep thinking when you look at that and you say, here was England's true opportunity to do something. And what kills them then in the Argentina game is that lack of creativity. Ultimately, like it is the magic that happens from Michael Owen, but outside of that, there was no magic. Yeah, I mean, um, Adam obviously scores a cracker, doesn't he? So he, he almost like justifies his, his position in, in the English press, you know, by scoring that goal and uh, being part of getting it through to the group phase, uh, mm. out of the group and into the knockout stage. So, yeah, I mean, um, 
you know, it, it is late. Is it late? It's not that summer, is it? That McManaman goes. He is. He goes the the season after, is it? The year after, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, McManaman. He, he really. I I was I was a lot more disappointed. I know we're getting onto Liverpool stuff, but like that season, um, he really did kind of break my heart a little bit. The way he plays out his his contract mm-hmm. there, even more so than Michael Owen. Mm. Ultimately, I mean, he was he was he was a fantastic player for us, and, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't think he did as as I say again, like a lot of Liverpool players, I don't think he got the right level of credit at, at international level. Oh. Right, so let me roll it back. England get through, and rightfully so. You've got uh, Romania coming out as well, and Romania lit up. Let's be honest, look, Romania lights up the tournament as well. Is this the one where they do the blondie hair trick as well in the later in, in the knockout stages? Yeah, I think it was in the quarters, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was in the quarters. Um, and I remember John Watson having an absolute canary over the fact that he was <laughs> I think it was mainly because his eyesight was going on and he couldn't... Uh, he couldn't... <laughs> 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 he couldn't have just basically figured out who it was because it was not Iliescu, Petrescu, Maginescu, and the rest of the lads, right? So it was like, we've got enough of the names, and then they all turn up with blonde hair. But there um, was points actually where um, in that last game, Romania were actually, I think they were getting beat by um, Tunisia at one point. Mm. So there was a stage where England were going to avoid Argentina because, you know, that that was being talked about. No one really wanted to, yeah. no one really wanted that rematch. Uh, yeah. And it looked like they were going to avoid them, but ultimately they uh, they do score and they um, they draw 1-1 one, one and, and they go through as, as group winners and onto the, uh, onto the infamous rematch. Onto the infamous rematch, indeed. So, look, we come out, Holland, um, Stroll through the loop and um, they're absolutely smashing but they're now the Netherlands they're not holding anymore at this stage um, but it is a tight group they've got, <laughs> they've got Mexico they've got Belgium they've got South Korea and there's lots of things going on they win one they draw two um, but you've got Bear Camp and the lads starting to really come, come to form as they get towards the end of the group I think they, they draw Mexico in the last game it's two all and Belgium yeah. draw one all with South Korea um, Belgium go out and that was off the back of them being did Belgium drew? They drew with draw South Korea, didn't they? Yeah, they had. They drew with Holland, and they lost. No. They drew with Mexico. Drew with South Korea. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's what happened there. And Mexico then, have this mad. You know, they 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 always seem to get out the group, don't they? You know, whatever whoever they get drawn in against, they always manage to get to to, yeah. to sneak through. You know, second second spots. You know, and they had another one of Fields Idols in a, an absolutely beautiful goalkeeper jersey, Jorge Campos. So we were talking him in the 94 World oh, yeah. Cup. We were talking yeah. about him. I was watching him play in the 1996 MLS Cup final at the exact same time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to show the lads him playing. Yeah. We weren't we on video doing it. I was trying to show the lads as, as we were doing it as well. So um, I've also spent the wine just over my MacBook just here. It's just a, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I just, thought that was happening. Did, was, did you hear the like dunk? Saying. Did you hear the dunk? It was like I, I remember you nearly did it last week. Yeah, yeah. This time I managed to do so. I succeeded where I failed last week. A bit like Mexico getting out of the group. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like we've got that. We've got Germany coming through. 
Um, Yugoslavia, have, uh, well, what is now the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, so it's Yugoslavia minus Croatia. Obviously, there's been that bit of trouble going on in the Balkans. Um, I want to say a bit of trouble, I'm talking about massive trouble and, and wars and stuff that kept them out of the Euros in, in 96 and the genocide and all that type of stuff that had happened in, in at that stage. This was, was this Serbia and Bosnia, which was still the Federal Republic of yeah. Yugoslavia? Yeah. They, they still had like um, Macedonia. Well, no, Macedonia went because Macedonia was in their group, was in the Irish group. Yeah, because that was the that was the Jason McAteer uh, flying kick to the chest, if I'm right, in, in the qualifying group, and we we lost out there. Um, the US player, the the most notable thing of this was that the US played Iran, yeah, and they all held flowers for each other, and <laughs> everything was great. Nobody was killed, and that was the most important thing that ever happened. Um, and then neither of them got out of the group, but Yugoslavia did. Uh, <laughs> and then the last group then was Argentina and Croatia. And this is this is a mad Argentina team. This is Batistuta at the height, the absolute yeah. pinnacle of his powers. He's a smashing, smashing, smashing yeah. centre forward. And then you have Ortega, who was just he was meant to be the next coming of Diego Maradona. Now, unfortunately. It didn't turn out to be that. And if anybody's wondering why I'm bending out, it's because I'm cleaning up wine off the floor at this moment in time. Um, and if I don't, my missus will absolutely murder me in the morning time. So, but you've got an Argentina side who is flying. And again, people look at them saying, what type of damage can they do? It's the fourth pure non-Diego World Cup since yeah. 1982. Brilliant Argentina team, this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's a smashing squad. And you're there going, this is the one Simeone is, is, is in it. There's... Um, we said Ortega, Varane Varane yeah. is in it as well and Varane is, is like an absolute colossus just strolling around killing people all over the shop you've got you've got Claudio Lopez I completely forgot yeah. Lopez Claudio Lopez he was a great player for them as well but yeah, the yeah, Ayala played right Ayala, the defence was mustered in this like Ayala and Sensini and then they had a uh, Nelson Vivas and Zanetti at the fullbacks, and they were a brilliant team. They even brought on Jose Shamot from on off the bench. He was another cracking centre back as well at that stage. They had a quality team. They had Matthias Almeida sitting in front of them with um, Simeone, you know, really tough team. And maybe this, you know, this was it sounds stupid, like, but a lot of these squads they were without this sounding ridiculous, like they were men. There was no, yeah. um, you know, it hadn't gone enough stupid haircuts, certainly the stupid haircuts in it, but, you know, it, it was a, a World Cup where they were all serious, you know, I'd say there was loads of black boots and all in this, you know what I mean, before all the, the pink stuff came in and was, all. Was, was, was Passerella the one who told them they all had to get the haircut before the World Cup? Yeah. Is that in this one? Yeah, actually, that yeah. could have been in this one. And he, he Batistuta had to get his locks cut off because yeah. he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna be left played in the World Cup. That's right, yeah, he had short hair, didn't he? Yeah. He did, yeah. Did, did Redondo go to this World Cup or did he refuse to cut? Did someone refuse one of their big I players think, refused? I think Redondo refused to cut his hair. Now Redondo wasn't wasn't at the peak. No, Redondo was at the peak of his powers, come to think of it at this stage. This is before he gets seriously injured. He's he's gone yeah. and he's absolutely destroyed United in Old Trafford at one stage as well. Um and or maybe he's had the knee injury at this stage. Possible because he's destroyed United. Up at, remember, he destroyed United in the Champions League, um, and this is before '99. So I think that I think this is the Redondo Real Madrid. Sorry, lads, for the, the kind of thing, but I'm just cleaning a load of wine all over the shop. <laughs> <laughs> I smashed the wine glass last night. So <laughs> just Jesus. <Christ. laughs> 
not on purpose. Well, actually, it was this morning. I don't know what day it is. I don't even know what time it is. It's all the same, isn't it? It's literally the Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah. But Simeone is the captain. And um, I just remember, I remember this Argentina team, but the one that stood out for me, and I go back to it, and it's only because I've got a, 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 my own interests, is Carlos Roa is the goalkeeper. Yeah. Carlos Roa is part of a mad cult. Yeah. Right? Deadly. Who believes the world has come to the end at the yeah. December 31st, 1999. So he yeah. plays in this World Cup and he plays up to the, I think it's June, and then he packs in football and heads off to a farm awaiting the apocalypse Jeez. for the end of 1999. <laughs> this is this is 100% true, right? Yeah. Um, and then it doesn't happen. And basically his whole belief system, he goes into a massive depression and then comes back to Mallorca then <laughs> following you. It says, can I come wow. back? Like, yeah, we love you. You're great. Come back. We'll give you a job back. You're grand. You can still play football. But he went off to farm fields waiting for um, right, yeah. God to come at the end of 1999. So, but he was God that, in that tournament, especially when it counts to penalty shoot. I'll only be a minute. Come in with me. What is HomeSense, anyway? Look, outdoor furniture is in. Hey, that's a great brand. And it's a six-piece set. Check out this price. Are you sure that's not just the no, table? No, chairs, too. Is this an outdoor rug? It is. It's nicer than our indoor rug. Outdoor ottomans, planters, patio umbrellas. Are you seeing these prices? You save a lot at HomeSense. This is the year we love our backyard. Can I say something? Yes. I'll get the truck. And that is why I love you. Save on outdoor like never before at HomeSense. Discover a store near you at HomeSense.com. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Sports Social Podcast Network.